God and Other Delicacies has a weekly newsletter. If you'd like to subscribe, email me at godsdelicateshow at gmail.com and I'll put you on the list. Welcome to God and Other Delicacies. I'm Nicholas D'Augusto. Another week, another conversation about God. I'm telling you, I feel like I'm getting away with something. Let's do this. Today, I have the privilege of welcoming Will Greenberg to the show. Will is a very talented and funny actor and writer. He's done a bunch of stuff, but if you haven't watched the TBS show Wrecked, I suggest you check it out. He is hilarious in it. If you're more into what's current this coming season, you'll find him starring in the new NBC comedy Perfect Harmony. He's also a dear old friend of mine, and it's a hot damn honor to have him on my show. Welcome, Greenberg. Hey, Nikki D. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm it's doing great to well. have you here. Yeah. Congratulations, buddy. I'm stoked for you. Thanks, man. I won the lottery. Um, is this? Uh, it was God. Actually. It, it was it, so. Yeah. So the it's gonna be. This is gonna be an easy show for you because you just basically have to recite exactly the universal NBC talking points about mm-hmm. how God is viewed on the show of Perfect Harmony. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I actually have no idea. I didn't get to read the script, so I don't you know. You know, we I, don't, the, the show takes place in a small town in Kentucky. And okay. It involves the small town church choir. Okay. Of which I, Will Greenberg, am uh, a member of. Which, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Surprising to everyone, <laughs> me included, yeah, right. that they let me pass through Congress. <laughs> But my character's really only there to uh, to win back his ex, played by Anna Camp. Oh. Um, so I didn't think my guy had to really sing or give a crap about <laughs> being in a choir, but then they were like, oh, no, no, you like to sing in the choir. And, uh, you're a tenor now. Well, oh, my God, I, like, I cannot wait. I'm a baritone. I can't wait. Oh, and you're a tenor now. <laughs> we have a guy on the show, his name is Gino Sagers, and he has the deepest voice. I think he, he God does speak through him. Because wow. when he speaks, everyone in a room turns around. They're like, what oh, that's amazing. is that noise? Yeah. And he played like Mufasa. Oh, on, yeah, that's fantastic. Of course. Broadway. That's exactly he can really, what you'd imagine Mufasa. He's real. Yeah. Well, I want him on the show, too, and then I want you two to harmonize. You do want him on the show. He won't fit in this room, though. He's, uh, a, he's a large man. <laughs> um, buddy, this is, we start off every episode by asking what you had for breakfast. So what did you have for breakfast? In honor of you, uh, Nick, I went and had a tofu scramble oh. at the Village Bakery, and oh. it came with some kale today and some potatoes. That's in honor of me because I don't eat meat anymore. Right, that's what you're saying? You stink or, like tofu. Aha. And also because you wanted to have something exciting to say on the show? Yes. <laughs> I needed one thing that would make you smile, because it's going to be frowns from here on out. Oh, I can't pal. wait. Oh, I'm so glad that this, que- that this question face. is what's next. No, man, that sounds like an amazing breakfast. Um, it was delicious. I woke up hungry. I've been trying to just do a shake every day, but today I was like, I need some food. Good. Good. Get after it. Thanks. And man. then don't eat for weeks. Yep. And then, and then see how that treats you. Yeah. I don't know. It'll probably that, but it's not good. That's not a healthy thing. I either. have enough padding to live <laughs> without eating, this I believe, one, for a year. This is this is one of the great Will Greenberg running jokes. Uh, so <laughs> I uh, so here we go. Uh, here the 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 big guy. How and when were you introduced to the idea of God in your life? Yeah, that's a good question because 
I think my parents kind of just thought, oh, well, let the... I was raised Jewish, uh, Reformed Jewish, which is barely Jewish. Were you able to Houston. eat? Were you didn't keep kosher, or do you keep? No. Because sometimes reform, sometimes people will keep kosher and reform, yeah, right? Or like they'll half keep kosher. I don't even know really what kosher is. Right. I don't know the rule. I know I've heard some of the rules. Right. And I also heard like somebody buries some plates one time, and I was like, that, that's all you have to tell. I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> I can't have bacon and milk somewhere together. I don't even know. Oh, I don't right. Yeah, well, you can't it. do that. I've learned quite a bit about it because my, my, the writer who's been on this show, Jeff Astroff, uh, is keeps a, kosher? He's, he's keeps kosher. He's conservative Jewish. And my he, uh, and so I've been to his Shabbat dinners a few times, and they are, they're really beautiful events, but they're also extraordinary for the rituals involved. Yeah, I mean, and, and rituals. You, yeah, and you have to be you have to be very clear about there's there's the meat meal, and then there's the huh. dairy meal. The dairy meal can have salmon, so you have cheese and milk. Anyway, I don't need to go into all this. Just listen. <laughs> just, let's just listen to the Jeff. I just Astor. imagined milking a cow and salmon coming out. <laughs> yeah, for that's some, not how it works. That's my mean, brain. I don't know. I'll talk to Jeff about it. So, Nick, but my, you were saying that you're yeah. Go ahead. Go so ahead. basically, I. I Ever since I was a child and continuing into this second childishness, which some people call adulthood, but I don't, <laughs> uh, I just never th- wanted somebody to tell me what to believe. And so, including my parents, I mean, and I get that from my mother because she just tells it like it is, whether you want to hear it or not. Um, I just never bought into it, I guess. Um, and... No one could tell me. I feel like this is a running theme in what people are saying is like, no one could tell me, should I be, should I think these stories are real? Are they stories or did they happen? And, you know, it's like uh, uh, Hitch. Yeah, Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah, that's all good. He he just didn't know. He couldn't get like a serious answer out of these adults. Mm. I could, you know, my parents were like, well, "You just have to do it. That we're, you're going to temple. You're getting bar mitzvahed, and that's just what they'll teach you." And they really didn't. I just zoned out. Did your parents? So they were reformed. So there was no. Did, what rituals did they keep at home? My dad grew up m- m- uh, more conservative, uh, and so they'd have like real deal. They do. Friday night uh, Shabbat dinners, and they might have kept kosher. I'm not sure. They pro- I mean, if they were doing Shabbat, they probably were. But I guess I, I, I don't know. Maybe he, not. He you know? says that his grandfather was really religious, and so his father would, like, do, do whatever his grandfather wanted. And then, like, the moment his grandfather died at the first uh, Passover dinner, which can be long, I guess, if you do the whole thing. Which, yes. You know, we might have done something like that when I was a kid. But he said his dad was like, are we ever going to eat? Mm. And he was like, he only did it out of fear, respect for his father. And then once his father was dead, he was like, I don't want to do this. So this is your grandfather is the one that you're saying said, are we ever going to eat? He was right. the one that, he's the one that almost... From it sounds like from your perspective, didn't really like articulate the family is shifting. He's not like guiding a shift. He was just like, here's the new ritual. Yeah. I'm the oldest guy here now. He's Let's like, just eat, you know. I and I think it just it, it got watered down even more with my dad. And to today he's not a part of the temple anymore. He left. 
Hmm. Because he also just doesn't need someone else to tell him how to be a good person. Yeah. You know, the, it's, it's pretty simple in my house. You treat other people how you want to be treated. Do, do you, so does your mother still um, attend temple sometimes? Uh, that's, a, that's a curious situation. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. You know, my mom's from Alexandria, Louisiana, and I think there were six Jewish families wow. there when she was growing up. And she also... Like, that's not an... Exa- are you, how much of an exaggeration is that? Not an exaggeration at all. I okay. There was a temple there. But we're talking, um, like, maybe six different families and, like, cousins, and they make a small congregation of, Absolutely. You like, know... Maybe 35 people or something. Wow. So it's a very, know. very tight-knit that unit uh, that, that identify as being yes. Jewish. Yes. And I think she never really wanted to be Jewish. She doesn't look Jewish. She never did. She's blonde hair and blue eyes. And I did too as a kid. And, you know, so she was always involved with her best friends and probably going to church with them and doing all Christmas and Easter. And their holidays are just more fun. Mm. And that's what it's all about for my mom. It's just fun. She doesn't like the somber stuff. Like, even when we went to temple as a kid, she'd be talking the whole time. And be shushed by several people, because she's like not paying attention, not paying. She's attention. just like talking to you, the yeah, talking to me, telling. Mm. She's like, ah, oh, this is too long. This is sad. <laughs> what is this? She's like, like, like narrating the. Yeah, she's, she's doing narrating. That. She's looking the... at people. She's like, oh, that that woman's dress is amazing. Look at that. I gotta, I gotta ask her where she got that from. There's Stacy. Look at Stacy. She's ADD. She's just popping around. Wow. She's like the cantor needs to cut his nose hairs. I can see him from here. <laughs> yeah. And the whole time they're the. You know the 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 proceed the the not procession but the the event is still occurring. Right. The, the people are speaking. And, yeah. Uh, uh, the whole time she's talking. Are you embarrassed as you're going through it? Nah. Or are you? You're I just like it's hilarious. Is, My wow. dad is probably was embarrassed or whatever, but we in it it, it it changed because you know Houston is a huge city and. At our high holidays, I know I'm like skipping all over the place. No, no, whatever, man. That's what this is. We had like 4,000 people there in this massive temple. They'd all come in. I don't know from where. Um, And so it was very impersonal. I, I, it wasn't a, I didn't know these people. At one time, you'd have 4,000 people? Yeah, they would, oh, like, it was a huge, huge, maybe So these 3, are like 000. the Texas mega churches, except this one's a synagogue. Exactly. I mean, so and, and it's, Houston, just, it's still the, that yeah. kind of thing, where it's like, some, the, yeah. tex, everything in Texas is just huge. Right. And and 4,000 at the same time. And, that, you know, the, the, the person that's running the... I don't. I have actually never been to a synagogue like a service. So mm. what, what? What is it? Just one person that speaks the whole time, or no? There's other. There's uh, there's like three rabbis, and everybody does some prayers, and somebody comes up and blows a horn, and there's a cantor who sings all the songs, and right. Um, I think w- there was like a choir, but they were kept somewhat. You don't see them. Oh, okay. You heard okay. Them. They're like the orchestra or something. Yeah, underneath. it's so somber. Yeah. If Jewish. Uh, if all the Jewish holidays were like a little more fun, like we got up and sang a song that was right, not so freaking sad. And Hebrew, I just I had no connection to it. I went through. I was thinking about that because of your show. I was like, man, I didn't know what I was saying at my bar mitzvah at all. Wow, I memorized yeah. these words. I and I think once the like 
rabbi is there as well to help you pronounce things. And I just was like, what is it? Keep going. <laughs> yeah, that one. Go ahead. Yeah. Once he like started, I was like, yeah, just good. <laughs> you want to do it? <laughs> I just wanted to make people laugh. I was yeah, just a funny man. little fat kid. <laughs> so still am. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So, <laughs> um, um, you listen. You guys can all judge for yourself when you watch these shows. All right. I don't think you'll classify them that way, but that's oh, part of the man. fun. So, <clears throat> but I like, you know, when. But spiritualism, I mean. <sighs> Honestly, the the first time I ever had a spiritual experience, and I guess this is bad, but I don't know if it is. After well, it reading can't be bad. after reading How to Change Your Mind, uh, Michael Pollan's new book, it was when I was fourteen. I took LSD for the first time. Oh, at a friend's ranch in the middle of Texas. And you were fourteen when you yeah. took LSD for the first time. I didn't time. know what I didn't understand what it was. My friend didn't understand what it was. I think there were four of us. He just got it. I don't know who the hell he got it. So you have four people that are doing it. Yeah. Excuse me. And we're fourteen freaking. And none of you have done it before. No. Wow. Didn't do it before. That to me is almost more fascinating than didn't know anybody who had done it. So we had no idea what to expect. Somehow you get a hold of it. Yeah. And And it's so teeny tiny. It's on a little piece of paper. Right. I've never done the one that was on a little piece of paper. I mean, I'll show you and you can react. That's how big it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember people talking Does about that they scare had sheets you as of it or whatever. Kid? No. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like you a put cigarette is scarier than that. Yeah, for sure. It's not so you... I'm on uh, a right now. Uh, let the record show he had a, <laughs> a very <laughs> small... A quarter of I a I mean, about a quarter of an inch by a quarter of an inch. Um, so at 14, yeah. you're, you said... You, where did you say that you did, you did at out a in the ranch. field? At a ranch. Uh, yeah, out in a field. A beautiful so, field with flowers everywhere. So you're not scared. None of you are going into it really like reticent. You're 14, but you're like, screw it, whatever. Like you've yeah, probably been drinking or whatever by this point if you're w- willing to try LSD. I think so, but I think I mean, we that's, hated... 14 is young. I know. That's young. I, tell me about and, uh, it. You're so, not ready to... I do not endorse anyone 14 ever taking yeah. that stuff because like this book I was saying, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan... He goes into what it does to you. Basically, it pushes your ego down. Huh. And your ego is good and bad. Your ego protects you from running out into a busy street and running into a car. Because it's like, that will hurt you. That will kill you. Yeah, right. But your ego also develops these harmful patterns of thought that it's very hard to get out of. But that's one of the therapeutic benefits of psychotropics is that it can do that and it can show you another way of thinking like that yes which is why the fda is gonna maybe allow psilocybin to be used in treatment of depression and ptsd again yeah that's amazing is that is that something that uh that's what led pollen to this book he was just gonna do a book about mushrooms in general uh, medicinal and edible yum yums. Yeah, and he heard about FDA doing this. Wow. And he's like, huh? And and from your from what you gather, like that's a relatively imminent thing. Like something in the next couple of years yes. feels like it's gonna it's gonna pass. I don't know with this administration. I think it's just happening under the radar. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially with Denver passing right their stuff now. Yes. Wow. It used to be 
a very successful thing that they were doing in the 50s and the 60s when they found it. Um, you got to wow. get this book, man. Yeah, man. It sounds amazing. You'd love it. Yeah, man. Anywho. You dig it the most. I had a, you know, it, it will cause a spiritual something to happen because you're experiencing... Well, talk more specifically about 14. What do you remember right. about the first one? I just remember being overwhelmed by the beauty of mundane things. Yeah. Grass, uh, sky. I mean, well, what time of the day? Did you do it at night? or No, did you, it was like... Was it like, did you stay like out in the sunshine all day with it? yeah. Yeah, so you, you had the whole sunshine, sunset. Yeah, but it was, I think it was cold outside. I don't know, I don't remember it being hot because we were just standing out in this field running around. Right. Like making handfuls of flowers and... I was like, I'm painting the sky. I mean, classic, <laughs> like, like yes, from are. the Doors movie or whatever. <laughs> I was like, I'm Jim Morrison. <laughs> and just laughing so deeply at silly stuff and hearing, like, turkeys somewhere in another farm and just sound bouncing in a way that it was just like an awakening to the glory. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it was positive. So how how do you remember if that can you like connect that to the, the next stages of high school? I mean, fourteen, you're a freshman, right? right. I mean, are you even yeah. a freshman yet? No, you're this like, is the summer before freshman. I year. mean, you're not even a freshman in high school. You've already had your first tripping experience. Right. That that is that's the earliest I've ever heard. I've known anybody that's ever done it. I yeah. mean, I I did. I think the first time I had mushrooms was uh, I was probably eighteen or nineteen. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that's wrong. No, nope, I did it when I was 16 or 17. You knew this is where my the I talk with me was going to I forgot that this is like, where this, this conversation is going to go. This is going to go with God. <laughs> I forgot. I didn't do any prep. Um, so no, it's fantastic. So you so you get into high school yeah, having had this kind of right. experience and you also don't have any you're not like rebelling against any um, religious structure because your parents are not pounding this into you at all. So you're you're kind of feeling relatively free to explore. This is not like you're not knocking on yeah. your parents' door and being like, "Hey, by the way, I was just doing LSD." Absolutely but. not. <laughs> they would not have. Uh, it's so funny. It's that thing where they would have been like so angry, but only because they don't they, they fear it. They don't understand it, and they've never done and drugs. You don't rightly think? so. I could have you know just like what I was saying. It's too powerful for your mind at that point for a lot of people I think I think I me and my friends were lucky um you had a lot of open space around you a lot of free space right we could have gotten in trouble for sure sure um and it could have led to I don't even know the funny thing is it didn't lead to then being like oh I want to abuse this every day right it's not that kind of a thing it's because it's so powerful and some people you, you, might, right? But and, but and they did, they did in high school, right? It got, it got some of the other dudes that you yeah. did it with. You like yeah. a couple of those dudes just kept doing it, and then for you, yeah. You I mean, didn't... I did it a bunch more in high school, but I stopped uh, doing. I think everything my junior year in high school when I found acting and was like, I want to go to school for this, and I, other people were starting to experiment with stuff. I was like, I already did that. <laughs> Yeah, man, by 17, you're like, oh, that's an old hat. I was like, that. I got to focus. I got to get a job. <laughs> They're like, no, party. I'm like, all right. Listen, but. you guys, the time to hit that was when you were 14. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, man. It's really wild. And I do think that it, it gave me, I remember uh, 
being able to see emotional interactions in a way that I didn't understand before I'd mm. done it. Can you talk? Yeah, tell me. Can you? Can, I, I'm I can sure remember it's hard to doing it as memories, a young but. kid. Not, no, I, that's the thing is that I think they're so emotionally charged mm. that they create powerful memories. I can remember almost every trip. Wow. Um, I guess now that I think about it, I can remember. Yeah. You know, I haven't tripped as many times as you have, but I, I do remember mine. But yeah. uh, so, but so you were so emotionally. I can, yeah, I, I think. You it, were seeing emotions differently, more empathic. Right. You're, you're yeah, I was more, more empathic. I was seeing, you know, shitty high school relationships and being like, they hate each other. I don't uh, know why these two. This girl hates this guy. <laughs> Ashley hates him. Why won't she be with me? Yeah. <laughs> that's great. But, yeah. Um, well, I mean, sorry, that's not great. No, that's a that bad memory. Great. That's great, Nick. How dare you? <laughs> it went from you the power yeah. that this had given you to a very, <laughs> a very sad reminder that you didn't get your first love or something. No. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I hope that she listens to this show and and knows that she was she missing does. out on a really great trip. Yeah, I no, I'll send it to her and say, see, <laughs> you blew it. So you. Did you stay tight with these four dudes? Yeah, absolutely. Do they remain friends today? Mm. Or have they, like, had, over the years, they've fallen off? Or Yeah, kind of fallen off. I see them every now and then, but... But they were very important for that time period. Absolutely. Yeah. They're and just very open, and because Houston... And, and this is the, the other thing that religion growing up uh, bothered me, um, was that it separated people. I was a Jewish kid. I wanted to bring up the, this odd thing that pretty much all the Jewish kids in my little circle had Segas, and all the Christian kids had Nintendos. I don't know what is really. <laughs> yes. You're being serious I'm that being there was serious. some weird thing that like everyone got Segas. Like I don't know the, why the, the parental choice. I don't know in the Jewish community in your area of Houston was Segas. Yeah, a- and. Everybody else, this could and be the Christians thing. were Nintendo. Yeah, you should ask everyone else who comes on the show. Sega or Nintendo? God, is it? That's gonna be my new like. <laughs> that's gonna be my new instead of what's for breakfast. You it's know, Mario be Brothers, they're Catholic, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. Italian. They are, they're Italians. And we had Alex Kidd. I mean, was I don't is, know is Sega the one that? with uh, Sonic? Is Sonic Jewish, right? He's Jewish. So- it's Sonic is Jewish. Yeah, the Sonic Jewish the, hedgehog. The hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. He's obviously yeah. He's gathering. Guilt. Whenever I think about that time period, I think about um, we didn't have a Sega. We had a Nintendo. Yeah, he did. Um, but it, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, we were Catholic. <laughs> but a friend of mine, I just think about a friend of mine who was like my my dear friend at that time, and he had he was a single child and he had everything. So I just remember right. going to his place and being like, we you could play with all the newest toys were his. Well, Kevin Kaplan had both. Okay, Kevin Kaplan. He did. was he was fancy. Was he Jewish? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Probably got to Sega first. Uh-huh. Sega first, and then he was like, listen, <laughs> Mom, Dad, this is not going to work. Yeah, I need both. So do you... I forget. Tell me about siblings. How many siblings do you have? Older, two and a half years older, Camille. Two and a half years Sister. older. Sister. And it, did she... Um, did she uh, stay... Did she follow into the Jewish religion any further than you did? Um, yes. She's still... Uh, they go to temple, and they do all the... High holidays. They do. Yeah. Because, uh, well, she likes the community. Yeah. And she lives in New Orleans, and there's a JCC there that is really great. And so that's where the... 
Did she marry someone who was more devout, y- yes. more practicing? Or he, does he come from a conservative family? Um, yes, I think so. He's he, he was straight up from Russia. He immigrated when he was six. Oh wow! Uh, to a great place for Russian Jews, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I don't. Which, I don't even know how to register so if that's weird. a joke or not. It is a joke. <laughs> I, um, I don't know enough about Memphis, and I don't know enough about <laughs> Russia, and I don't know enough about Judaism. They're like, yeah, come on to America. We'll stick you in Memphis. Um, yeah, listen, this is actually, I'm fascinated by this, and uh, this, we have to take a break right here, so let's get into this right after we get back. All right, we're back with Will Greenberg. So digging into your family a little bit more here so your so your sister practices uh more like so when you're around her family does she have children yeah how many kids two so they're kind of being raised they're gonna have bar mitzvahs or bat mitzvahs yeah and the you were talking about your Mm brother-in-law who is maybe he's not a conservative jewish person now but he just yeah okay they they just like the community and uh do they practice Passover? Yeah, they do things? all that, but it is uh, a New Orleans Passover, so... What does uh, that mean? It's just more of a party. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. the parents are they're drinking more than just wine. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so it's, you know, it it it, seem, it sounds like the more fun version I wanted as a kid. I'm sure it is. Yeah. So you're st- so what you're what's interesting about the way you talk about this, and I knew this about because I knew you were from the South, but you're really talking about that. Um, you were your upbringing was just really more a part of the cultural spirit of the South, New- yeah. connections to Louisiana through your mother and the spirit of that kind of celebratory culture that's in Louisiana. I mean, New Orleans is amazing, right. and. And and then transitioning that to Texas, which is also a really celebratory, big, you know, uh, I, I don't know the culture super well, but it's brash, it's loud, it's party. And you didn't feel, you outside of Nintendos and Segas, you didn't feel very ostracized at all. No. Um, because, I, you know, I, and I, I, just to sort of feed this a little bit more, speaking specifically about you know, Jeff, who I had on the show, and some other people I've talked to, uh, like Jessalyn, who was also on the show, um, they spoke about how difficult it was for them to be Jewish in their community That's and how often they felt prejudice. And you're not speaking about that at all. I don't ever remember feeling prejudiced about it. And I think, which, which is, is really a fantastic wild thing, because, you know? and I would go to church sometimes with my friends just to see what it was like. And oh, I was right like, on. this is just like temple. Yeah. But songs are sometimes better. <laughs> Um, it was the same thing. I was like, guys up there talking about God and the universe and we're, we got to love God and okay. Yeah. And now feed me because I was a little fat kid running (laughs) There it is. It's all about the food. Um, (laughs) but no, we, and my hat's off to that happening. It definitely, it got a little more in your face in high school. There was more like the church groups we're just more, uh, I don't know what it is, like, put together. And I didn't want to be, a, I didn't really want to be a part of the whole, my temple's young Jewish 
seed. I wanted to be a part of everyone. Yeah. That's my whole thing in high school. I never was in just one group. I was a floater. Yes. I was allowed to float. I don't know. I could be over here. And then, yes, I agree. Um, I, I had that same experience. Yeah, so, but it was there. And I remember my sister's best friend, this is what I was saying earlier, I wanted to say for this. Um, she was she was extremely worried for my family that we were Jewish and we were going to hell. Oh, so yeah. your sister's best friend growing up yep. was a devout Christian. Yes. And she was genuinely worried that yeah, she, you, because you weren't Christians, were She just go to hell. really wanted us, before we died, wow. to whatever. And she was telling you this in high school? I think my sister would tell me, she would tell, she, she, she might have said it to my parents. Um, wow. Yeah, it was just crazy. And your sister, how did she that's handle? That's not crazy, because that's what she was taught. From yeah, yeah, yeah. Young age, but she, your sister was able to maintain a friendship with this. Yes, do, that's they, what's interesting. Are they still friends? Yeah, they're still best friends. Wow, I know. She still tell you that you're going to hell. <laughs> Maybe she just she keeps it to herself. She had a real. Now? She had a horrible tragedy. Oh. Her uh, first husband, he died in a skiing accident. Oh, and left her with three kids. Oh my and gosh, that's terrible. She went against God for a long time. And I think she's back um, because she, that community took care of her. Um, but I don't think she... She had her own relationship yes. too, but she had, clearly she grew up and became an adult. And, right. And experienced a horrible yeah. tragedy, which is not something that you have to experience to become an adult in with religious thoughts. But it sounds think, like yeah. that process changed her, obviously. I think meeting our family... It changed her as well yeah, because she was like cool. how these people are the nicest people I know she would come over uh, coincidentally around dinner time <laughs> all, uh, quite often and because oh, really? her mom didn't cook oh okay. and my mom did and yeah. she, my mom was like the cook and so she'd always come in my mom would be like sit down I'm Got your plate. She's like, no, no, I ate. And then she, my mom would put a plate of food in her, and she'd be like, all right, can I have seconds or what? <laughs> yeah, hail it. Um, so I think it was really confusing to her. She was like, well, why would they go be punished just because they don't believe in this one thing? But they do everything I'm taught to do to be a good person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I think that it's. In my mind, clearly for the worse, you can get a certain sense of Texas as a sort of, um, you know, uh, you, you should never generalize ever, but I can find myself as I'm listening to you, assuming I was going to hear a story that was like, you were going to hear a little bit more prejudice because there's such a, a per, at least the perception of such an intense Christian Christian identity in Texas, but obviously it's a massive state, and they're right. all different kinds of Christians, and that's just the nature of it. But you didn't, but you, you didn't see it in your community, and you didn't experience it. No. And I mean that's fantastic. Yeah. So we'd have, and then that speaks to uh, why we have to be careful about assuming about certain perceptions. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting. We, my parents now in Houston. Uh, their neighbor is the pastor of a huge uh, Second Baptist church, mm. and he built like a thirteen thousand square foot home. Insane for him and his oh, wife. Okay, and 
it's just for two people. And he built a nine-foot brick uh, fence to get into a wall with wow. a gate. And I was like, if Jesus came back, he couldn't even get in this place, man. Yeah, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. And my mom went over there when they moved in. She made a, a pie for him. She's like, hi, I'm Carlin Greenberg. I'm your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know if they're that nice to my parents. or They like want them to be a part of their community. It's weird. Yeah, right. Right. So, and that, that's the kind of thing that, that I think... Well, I think what you're speaking to there is that that does exist. Certainly, yeah. it's not that it doesn't exist, but that it's not everywhere. You grew yeah. up in an area that was not that, and now your parents happen to have, in this area, by random nature of it, caught a little bit of this almost like televangelism kind of side of things, even though they're not televangelists, but this kind of big church, massive money, you can get super rich as a priest or a yeah. speaker, I guess a pastor. Yeah. Anyway, go on. I think Houston is... Uh, different than a lot of the rest of Texas and the South because it is such a melting pot. It's, I think, one of the most, if not the most, diverse city in America right now. Yeah, I think I forget that Houston and New Orleans are very connected in the sense that they're both very close to the Gulf, right? Yeah. Houston Uh, is like only, again, as somebody that grew up in Nebraska and has never been to Texas, it's such a big place. Yeah, it's only 35 minutes. I think sometimes I forget that like not every city is in Texas is right in the center of Texas. No. Um, That one's really close to the Gulf. So this yeah, is Texas, so your hand. Yes. Okay. And you put your two little fingers down. You yes. stick your big that's the panhandle. Yes. And this is Texas, man. Yeah. So this is God's and, country. Yeah, oh yeah. It's on your hand. <laughs> and it kind of looks like it forms a Houston's gun, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's no coincidence. So I <laughs> so uh yeah, right. So that's again, there's the connection between Houston and New Orleans, and maybe why your mother found herself in Houston, although she was raised in Louisiana. Where's Alexandria in relation to uh it's New Orleans? I can't ever remember. Two hours north. So she's a little further away from the Gulf, but it's still Louisiana. Yeah, it's it's uh steel magnolias. Territory. I see. I mean, okay. maybe twenty miles from where Steel Magnolias takes place. Those are my mom's friends in that movie. She's yeah, that's great. Wheezy or whatever. Well, I, I want her know. fried green tomatoes. Then. So <laughs> that's um, a different movie, <laughs> isn't that? No, uh, no, that is different. Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias uh, no, that's right. Sorry, that was so dumb. Fried green. Tomatoes Let me tell you something, is, buddy. Is, no, isn't yeah. fried? Aren't there fried? No, what's Steel fried Magnolias? Green tomatoes is, is its own movie. Yeah, Kathy, what's her face? Oh, for man. misery, How Kathy Bates, you, How you have egg on your face. <laughs> oh, if you only there fool. were movies. Uh, uh, there are only movies made about Nebraska are, are made by Alexander <laughs> Payne. That's the only ones I know. So, um, so okay, so let's get back to like your yeah, like how then. Sure. So, how do you start articulating spirituality for yourself? You know, where where do you start, or do you? You know, are you still just kind of like, do you have another enlightening moment as an adult? Yes. You're, you'll clearly, yeah. Go ahead. Didn't I tell you? I, I think I've told you about this. Well, the radio um, hasn't heard right, it. Right, they haven't heard it. But yeah, five, I think it's five years now, four years. Right before I started, right before I got uh, wrecked, I went to a fish concert, a show, uh, with a good friend of mine who I just saw yesterday, actually. And uh, Will and I have been to a couple of fish shows. Yeah, too. we have. And uh, you know, that, that, thing I did when I was 14 was floating around again. Are um, you saying you hadn't done 
You hadn't no, done LSD I, since like no, high school or college. I, That's not true. Yeah, it, it, since that time. I mean, yeah, since high school or college. Like you, since you, college, yeah, it, it had been probably 13, 14 years. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. For no reason. Even though you'd been to like so, Burning Man and stuff like that, you weren't doing it up there. No, we did shrooms. Okay. Okay. So you're you're still taking. You're not doing the intense LSD thing, right? That but you was have always. Been, you've been so much more. It is and more. It lasts longer, and that's right. Even when I did it, I, I never did more than just one dose. Cause okay. If I did two, I couldn't be human. I was id. I don't know what I was. Yeah. But yeah, we were. We had a couple drinks, and my buddy put it my, another little piece of paper, like even smaller than that, in my yeah. hand. I was like, ah, sure. For and the I record, let it be a smaller piece of paper. I, I totally even forgot that I took it. Okay. And then 20 minutes later, I was like, what? Oh, God, no, I took something. And because I guess at that time I was 35, 34, uh, and my brain was a lot different, mm. I think. I, yeah, I had a spiritual revelation about being in service to a higher power hmm. because I was looking at fish the band and i know that trey anastasio the lead singer guitar player for people who don't know get out of your cave (laughs) um he was he's sober and i think a lot of the band is as well but they're definitely playing to a crowd that is not sober yes and they're they're also not trying to really get new fans i don't think they're not like hustling to expand they just they have a following and i was really thinking why are they why are they doing this they don't need money they the temptation to party is probably whatever and i came to the realization that they can't get to the levels that they get to without the energy of this communal experience and they have a gift that i think they feel an obligation to share Mm. not and an obligation because it enriches their life as well so it was this huge, it's a, I don't even know, it's a, it's like a, a wave situation, ocean yeah, tidal thing. A, yeah. They need, the audience needs them for their talent to give the love of whatever, I don't even know what I'm saying. No, that, but, I mean, I, I know exactly, I mean, I don't know exactly what you're I, saying, I, but I I'm I had this experience you. again recently, I saw Brian Cranston Broadway. I saw your Instagram post about it, and, and it, it was really it, uh, okay. It was go it. on. It was the same. No vanity sharing of this gift that he has now. He has a certain understanding of the craft of acting that is. Uh, it, it it got it made me emotional to see someone give everything wow. of themselves in service to a higher power. I think our communal energy, whatever that is. Well, that's a beautiful place to pause. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes, and um, we'll get to the, the third part of this conversation. See you soon. So we're back with Will Greenberg. Um he was just talking about this performance. They saw uh, Brian Cranston got on stage with Fish, and uh, started rocking out. No, he was I- there. <laughs> I swear, man. 
Oh, okay, so, so, so yeah, go wait ahead. a minute. Back to that. So that fish concert, fish concert I exactly. had such an experience. Um, and and that's in that book, uh, How to Change Your Mind. He talks about this thing called set and setting, which is the 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 thing with psychotropic psychedelics is it's not something to be done uh, willy nilly. It in in all other cultures that it's been used in in some form or another for thousands of years. It's a specific ritual thing that you do in a specific place and time and with certain people. Certain caretaking right. should be kept in, you know, you should be in, you should be safe, but you should safe. also be in a place to explore. Yeah. And, so, and that's what a fish concert is. Yeah, for sure. You can let loose. For sure. It is a party. It is a celebration of life. And I came away from there feeling manic happiness for two months. Wow. Manic. Yeah. To the point of annoyance for everyone else in my life, especially my wife, Nikki. I saw you. <laughs> Didn't I come up to the show directly after that happened? Was that yes. Were you in San Francisco? Yes. Yeah, that was, you came. Oh, yeah, I came to this. But I was like, I was there the day after. Right. Like, I was there witnessing you talking about this for the first yes, time. Yes, I had walked around the city early that morning. I couldn't go to sleep. I was exhausted. Yeah, yeah I remember. That second night, I was like a zombie. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, you were, you know, writing notes uh, two inches from your face. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I was. I was keeping so much. You're like, I just got to write this down, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> having your own journey positivity <laughs> That's exactly what i was doing um but i was That's so amazing. tired but then after that and we drove home and all that i just i was just my ego had been pushed down and i was no longer judging people and so i was open people could see that i wasn't judging them and i wasn't afraid of them judging me which is something i'm that's like my normal operating. Sure, mode. yeah. That's why I don't remember people's names when I first meet them because I'm like, put up a wall. I'm like, okay, I don't want them to think I'm judging them, and uh, they, I'm, they don't judge me. And so you're not really connecting or present with. That's that something person. that's been in your life for a long time. I think that is, yeah. I think that is, I've discovered that is is, I'm not fully present. I'm not paying attention. I'm worried about all this. I'm, my mind's going a mile a minute about concerns that are just patterns, I think, just uh, whatever. You see somebody walking down the street, you make a judgment about them. Right. I do, at least. Um, oh, yeah, I mean... And I'm I, worried that they're going to judge me. Right. For being that fat little kid. There it's it is. always there. I think that was number four. Um, but anyway, during that time, that those two months, yeah, like, homeless people would approach me. And it's never happened. They'd approach me, and we'd start talking. Wow. And I get into like half hour conversations with people. Wow. About you were just anger. super open. Oh, and their yeah. anger. Talk to me. And this one guy was like, I'm so angry. I was like, I hear you, man. He's like, Yeah, well, I just get angry and I it, it does bad things for me and I and I you know, it causes me to fight. And I'm like, Is there any way you can, you know, think take a breath for ten seconds before you act on that? And he's like, Yeah, no, I've tried all it's ruined my life. You know, I don't really wow. totally remember, but but you were in a place like where you were just to open. I know. Oh, sorry, go on, go on. He yeah. needed to tell somebody, and I was like, "All right, tell me." Wow. I'll stop and listen. And wow. he he was kind of like, it calmed him down. Wow. To have somebody do that. Wow. Um, That's awesome, man. So, so, the solution to homelessness is for people to take 
hallucinogens and then go talk to homeless. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they want. That's what we're trying to get to here on this show. A solution. So, wow, oh man, that's really lovely. I, so, I want I want to know about before that moment, and I want to know about since that moment. Okay, so before yeah. that moment, if we talk about those 13, 15 years, whatever it was, in the context where you're not really right. tripping, but you're still taking mushrooms. Oh, okay, <laughs> but no, sorry, I have to poke fun <laughs> no, at the I joke. Was. Um, no, you were you were still having a good time, but you had not had an awakening. You'd had the awakening at 14 and then whatever, you're, you're, you're go through college and life is good. You're not like whatever, like you're, you're, you're trying to get your career started and all this stuff. But what you're saying is, is somewhere those, that decade or more was defined by what would you say, uh, is your like Hmm. thought process prior to the awakening? Uh, definitely to stay to, you know, I've always been seeking, uh, ways of staying in the moment i feel like those that's why acting was so attractive to me is because it is it is like a form of meditation if you are not fully present involved in doing it you forget what you're doing and you forget your lines and there's 200 people watching you and that's terrifying and it's energizing it's mm. it it is I take whatever I've learned from that, and I know that that is the goal of meditation and all that. It's just to be present. It, it was a way of me practicing being present, um, which for a sarcastic bastard like me, it's all my brain is constantly trying to find the joke, hmm. class clown type person. Um, hmm. It helps me shut that off. Um, when it's appropriate, but uh, well, you're talking about the acting in that way. You're talking about the focus of the yeah, art, just to be able to to become present and not try and I don't know. It, it's a double edged sword. I'm always trying to entertain people, but I'm also trying to be there for them. Yes, well. right. I think me entertaining them is being there for them. Does that make Except sense? when people are like. Will shut the fuck up and yeah. Well, did you did you get that? Did you have did you get those responses from people from your family or from your girlfriend at the time or from what be serious? Yeah, like be serious, like focus. Yeah, of course, my whole life. Yeah, I think my parents are they're blown away that I found something that I found the one thing that I could I don't know excel at. Because I was such, I, I was hard to handle. Uh, I was put into the back. I was put up a separate table by myself in the corner in several classrooms. Growing huh. up. Because all I wanted to do was make people laugh. Right, right. That is my higher, being in service to a higher power thing. Yes. Is that, all right, I want to make people laugh because it makes them happy. It makes me happy. It's a shared experience. and It's good for you. And, uh, I don't know. Do you feel like the awakening, uh, in San Francisco? Do you feel, I like, I know it's, I've I've been saying it that, but I mean, it's, it's fun to call it that because it's not, it's not untrue and it's nice to say. Um, do you feel like you became more, more present and more serious? I mean, look, like here we have a story about, you know, the, the, the Will Greenberg before that is a guy that people are like, well, be serious. And then the next dude is like someone sitting there for a half an hour being present for a homeless dude. Yeah. That's a big dichotomy of, yeah, of I think, approach. I think I was more serious in my 
belief uh, in a higher power. Like uh, trying to, there's been times when the whole idea of nothing matters creeps in. It's Mm. like, this is all pointless and nothing matters, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. Um, And I think that has gone away uh, since that awakening moment. It does, everything matters and I just, I feel like I've had some insights. Jeez uh, Louise, where was I going with that? Well, you're I've had some insights yeah, about um, just like what I believe the whole point of life is. Do you want to talk about yeah. talk about what higher power Let's, means to you? Talk I told about, you I had the answers. Go, today. give them to me. I told Will, he Will told, texted me, he's like, I got all the answers, which is a classic answers, Will funny man. joke. And then I was like, well, look, if you've got all the answers, this will be our last show. <laughs> no, I honestly believe that um, the purpose of life uh, is to recognize that there isn't another place. Earth is heaven. That's why it looks the way it does. That's why it's got endless amounts of beauty and creatures and things. And it's like, why would we go somewhere else that has this? When we have been given the opportunity to make this our idea of heaven or whatever that is. Um, and that is a place where people have all the energy they need. They have homes. They have food. They can go back to doing what they were doing before they had to get a job. I think this is like a Buckminster Fuller quote, which is playing. Hmm. That's what you do as a child. You get to play. You're in heaven. That's right. Um, that's interesting. Uh, that's have, interesting. Yeah. I, I know play, but I we have. I suppose technology. if you're in, in a healthy environment, right? Human but, brain. I mean, that's the whole game. We have the ability to make all the energy we need from the sun and all the elements in this world. We can. We're making machines that can grow the food for it. nobody has to work. People are afraid of this notion where people won't have jobs. People, won't, what do we do? Well, then you focus on what Buddhists call enlightenment. Right? Yeah. So it's not a scary thing. It is for some people that I guess, I don't know, never think about it, but I think that would be the eventual next step is you would realize you don't need to do this cycle of life anymore. You can just become part of the energy that is life. Ugh, that sounds nice. (laughs) <laughs> it's nice. I, I think I I think I respond to it because you know, life is life is full of a lot of responsibilities. Life is very hard, you know, it can be hard at times. And certainly you talk to any number of people on the street, there are any number of tragedies, right? That you'll talk to any person that you meet at all. Do you feel like you because of this experience, do you process tragedy in a new way, or have you had tragedy, or um, is, you know, do you feel like you're able to process sadness in a new way, or I don't know. I've never known you to be a depressive person. I I can yeah. lean to a depressive side. Uh, no, I, I have. I I can get into that chemically. I get depressed sometimes, um, and that's from too much party. So when you experience depression, it's because of like sort of the, the, um, 
what do they call that? I think it's the, li- the, literally the, a, a lack of serotonin. Right, like you're, what's that called when you're on re... What is it called when you when you're not on the drug anymore? You're hung over. Yeah, yeah, hung over. <laughs> okay, so you so you're you experience it's that's the counter effect to the high, right? The high, yeah. the counter effect right. is the low that you have to, and then you have you to correct. You can't back experience to extreme pleasure without also knowing what extreme pain is. The boomerang effect, yeah. Or well, you're talking about just in general, but you're talking about but specifically. Yeah. When you have a big night of drinking, you have a good time, or you're doing some drugs or right. something, you have a good time. You come back to reality the following day. You would maybe there would be times where you'd chase that, or you just yeah. let it, you let it go, and then you again. This is not something I don't understand. I know this right. feeling, but you're explaining that you there's the reverb effect of like, okay, now I've got to go low to kind of get through the hungover. My body's processing all these things. I'm feeling the after effects, and sometimes that will trigger a depressive feeling or. Right. And I guess my feeling, my question is, you know, to, to rearticulate is like, do you experience, do you feel like you're able to process things at a new level? Do you feel like you've been able to? Yes. Cause because I sometimes don't, I feel like sometimes my patterns, you know, will, will cycle. Uh, I don't, sometimes I feel like I'm doing better and sometimes I don't, you know, I'm the same way. Yeah. But I always can go back to that knowing that. Uh, I can get there. Yeah. I can get back there. It yeah. just takes, it's as cheesy as it sounds, one day at a time of being healthy, doing healthy things, staying staying off of these social media devices that right. are always in Let our Let the record show he picked up his phone. Because it's just too much. It's too much to process. Yes. Having all the information at once and feeling hopeless and helpless. And you just, you you got to do what you can do. And sometimes that's just make people laugh. I love that. Um, I don't know how much time we have left at this moment, but we I imagine it's going to... They told us we... <laughs> we're going to go record our conversation on our phone afterwards. Um, well, we've had those before. I, so do you feel like... Um, I, I hesitate actually to ask about uh, y- your relationship to your wife, partly because I want to bring Nikki on the show. Yeah, you should. Um, it's different than I, my question is, do you, is there any conflict or is it only like positive feedback? Is there only like, um, is there dissonance at all between you and your wife on how you feel about these things? Yeah. Or is it only like kind of positive, different perspective or you feed it's, off each other? It's different perspectives. It's Was my, she raised Jewish as well? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's my uh, inability to maybe express all of these feelings and thoughts um, in a way that is understandable to other people, even her. She, she gets it. She knows it, and she's experienced it with me. But um, Well, now you can just give people this show. This, this hour exactly. is going to take care of it. <laughs> no, so you... me? I've taken <laughs> and I like fish. <laughs> um, uh, also, I'm pretty into Brian Cranston. So, so, but the the thing is, is that you sometimes you feel like when you're having the discussion, you can't articulate the emotion that you feel very, very present in you. Yeah, you have a hard time articulating, which is not a surprise. Like, I mean, strong emotions are very hard to articulate. So, I don't feel like that's. Uh, but I can understand what you're saying is that sometimes the discussion between you two misses or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, but you don't feel. But whatever you guys are encouraged, you guys. She's you. You have a supportive relationship. I guess the question I'm getting at we is: don't seek you it live together. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. 
she's actually doing uh, transcendental meditation right now. Oh, okay. Uh, I just vomited. Uh, <laughs> I just threw up everywhere. Yeah, so sorry. Thankfully, missed um, the mic, but. Um, right, so trans- that's the thing that Howard does, right? Howard does transcendental meditation. I Howard? Think. Howard Stern. Sorry, I talk oh. about Howard. My wife loves Howard Stern, <laughs> and uh, so I, I learn more about Howard through her. Uh, yeah, I think so. Seinfeld, him, David Lynch. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so she's doing that. She just and started doing that. Is she, she getting some positive yeah, actually, feedback from is. it? I've considered thinking about something like that. I think it's really good for her because, unlike me, she doesn't have... Uh, this practice of, uh, you know, my job being present. Ah, uh, yes. Well, she's a writer mind. for yeah, everyone to writer. know. She's a television writer. So that is, that is her way of doing that. And when she's in writing and uh, in it, she can't even hear me when I ask her questions. She's so in it. She's locked in. And mm. that's probably the same thing uh, for her in some ways. But we don't. But yours is naturally more communal because yours is something that is created interpersonally, and right. in, in which, of course, I understand this because I also do this with you. But it, it, the, the, we connect through other people. The art is made together. Yes. Um, and her art is made. You could, of course, collaborate with someone, but it's writing is a the private. Voice is in her head, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a private endeavor. So she gets to kind of commune with a private experience. Right. Um, so that's probably what you're saying is the larger difference between you two, on that level. Yeah. Do you believe in no? You talked about everything is here. Do you do do either of you talk about afterlife or, you know, not really. I mean, Doesn't I share like to it. her my extreme thoughts um, <laughs> sometimes. I you know I have this belief, and I and I'll try and keep this short. No, it's um, all good. Yeah, this is this is probably where we'll end up ending. But that's this all comes good. from uh, uh, what's his freaking name? It's called the Man's Search for Meaning. Okay, uh, you ever heard of this book? Uh, yes, but I can't remember who the author anyway, is. It's not Bertrand Russell. No, 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 no. It? We'll find it. it yeah, um, okay, go on. From that book, I just, I got a different outlook on this notion of death, where it takes place in the Holocaust. It's, it's, it's real. It's, he was a doctor in Auschwitz, even right. though he was a psychologist. He wasn't really a doctor. They made him the doctor. And he was treating this little girl who was dying, and she was smiling, looking out the window at this tree... And he's like, why are you smiling? And it's like, well, the tree will always... She was like, the tree will always be there. I'm not afraid of dying. Because that tree, the mm-hmm. sun, the sun will always shine. And it made me think of, like, the stars will never completely end. That energy that's in the universe, the universe, will never totally end. It'll somehow be energy. Yes. Meaning, there's no such thing as death. Yes. Because there is only life. Yes. So don't be afraid. It's other. It's oh. not the end. <laughs> Boy, buddy, that's a good closing. There we go. Nice work. Yeah, thank you. Well, it was a, you know, I said it was a hot damn pleasure to have you on the show, and I really mean it. I'm not leaving. <laughs> um, I love you, buddy. Thanks it for being here. It was a real pleasure. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, I really appreciate you being so generous with your time and with your thoughts. And thank you all for listening. See you next time. <laughs>